This week on Log It, another movie podcast with your feature film, Paper Moon, 1973, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, with your hosts, Caleb and Ian. Ian, oh my how are you doing? <laughs> How's it going? Wow, we have a uh, we have a, a high live, man now. <laughs> a live audio. Yeah, there's a guy behind me. Just <laughs> it's our... a a sign spinner. Last four. <laughs> Not yet, guys. Shut up. Hey, quiet back there. It's probably gonna blow my mic out. Episode seven. Wow, I'm into the episode numbers. I guess it's good. It's uh, it's easy. It's a nice way to track it. I mean, seven's a kind of a crazy number because it still feels like we just started. It's it's probably one of the better numbers. It's a solid. It's a good. Um, it's a good jersey number. It's a good um, angular number. Yep. The movie seven. It's a great movie. What's another seven thing? Help me out here. Lucky number seven. seven. Heaven. Seventh heaven. Um, seven in general is like a heavenly number. There you seven go. Then. Three. There you go. Wow, seven episodes. It's just the two of us today. Yeah, it's nice. We had two weeks with guests, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Angelo uh, really in great. week five. And then last week we had Andy Z, who was awesome. Both wonderful guests. You should listen to those episodes if you haven't. Uh, we talked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We mm-hmm. talked The Day Trippers. And we had a great time doing it. Oh, Amazing time. It was a blast. Lots of laughs. Yeah. This week I tried really hard to watch movies on theme with our Ooh, I like that. Movie. I tried to be a little more conscious of it. Okay. So you mean in theme of of Paper Moon? Yeah, just movies I thought connected to it and reminded me of it in some way. Thank you again to Angelo who watched Valley of the Dolls along with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for pushing me to be better. Thank you, Angelo. Did he do that on purpose? Shout out to Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's right. He did talk about that, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? It was really fun. Okay. Because I did the exact opposite, I think. Which I respect as well. How'd yeah, it work I, out for you? You know, it's fun because, again, I'm still doing my wheel of movies. Love it. This week has been almost eye-opening because a part of me feels like should i be kind of doing what you're doing like picking towards a theme or should i just let god decide for me the movie gods should i say i don't know i i think i might i think this might be my ride or die i think i might just stick with with the movie wheel for the uh, entirety of this podcast i think you should okay if you want to i don't think there's right. anything wrong with it at all and i probably will have weeks where it is just like i put it on mm-hmm. this week just happened to be i picked the movie and it's one it's a movie dynamic and kind of archetype that i really like so so i guess it was a good excuse to to watch a few movies that i really like about uh kids and their parents in this kind of dynamic kind of bad right. parents having to learn to be good parents and it kind of it helps you inform the movie that you you just watched too right it did. It did give me a lot of fun context. I'm just looking at the movies you just watched, and it's very funny because one of them uh, doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, once I do my last four, I have a joke all set up for that. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, there was one I wanted to watch that I didn't get to. There was another one. So I was okay. going to have like a perfect four. Perfect. But I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll yeah, I was going to say. The other one I've watched a lot so I can reference it pretty well. Um, okay. <laughs> so we've kind of done get to know you questions to start the show. I don't have anything planned this week. Mm. Is there anything fun you've thought about movie questions, movie watching questions, or should we just jump into last four? We don't always have to do it. It's not, it's not fun, Caleb. It's more of um, a fear of, of what's to come. And I have to get this off my chest. Uh Oh, so I pick a movie, right? Getting excited to watch it. I won't disclose the movie because I might want to talk about it later. But uh, it's on Netflix. So I open up Netflix. I'm getting ready. I'm sitting on the couch. And what do I see, Caleb? I've been logged out of my account. Now, this is something I was scared of because probably a few months ago, there have been murmurings that Netflix was going to start password, like getting um, cracking down on password sharing. And, you know, I was just like, never going to happen. There's that infamous tweet that they that they uh, sent out that said um, love is password sharing. Right. Hmm. Now look at them. Looks like their social team wasn't on the same page. Uh, yeah, I would say so, Caleb, because I try to go on my account, logged out, can't watch the movie. And this is a scary trend because I'm very nervous that the streamers will look at this and take note and we'll see what happens. Cause I think there's been a lot of backlash, especially on social media. Um, but uh, yeah, that's not so much a question. It's more of a kind of a fear that I have that like they always take the wrong lesson about something. Right. So I I'm nervous about that. Are, are you subscribed to Netflix? Can, can I, have, can I get a thought on this from you? Yeah. So we're subscribed with a family, I don't know if we actually are the holders or if a family member is, Oof. but we're definitely account shares and uh, all the accounts we have right. are shared either with other people or that other people have shared with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm prepared to abandon streaming. There are alternative routes to get movies and I have no problem you know, checking out movies from the library mm-hmm. from getting a VPN and exploring Ooh. things you can do with VPNs. Right. That stuff baffles me. The VPN. I don't know anything about it's it. It's really easy. Okay, great. You can show me. Yeah, I can, but I hate streaming at this point. I'm sick of it. I, in theory, I still love it, but mm-hmm. I would much rather build up a library of movies I have on my own that I can access without questioning whether or not right. they're streaming and where, cause that's just such a pain in the butt at this point. Well, right. And then you look at things like Disney plus where they essentially just expunged a bunch of things from their catalog, just in turn, just, just um, so they can uh, collect money on taxes, right. Or save money on their yeah. taxes. And that's just like what that stuff that people made. Like that's, that's the scary thing about streaming. It's like they're not shows I'm going to watch, but or movies I'm going to watch. No. But some people, like people, worked on those. So to have all of your your creation just ex, just just completely scrubbed is is really upsetting, and it it makes me nervous. And I I like you said, I think beating the drum for libraries, man, they're doing they're doing God's work in terms of 
just ha- having having a great selection of things to choose from. So I think that might be where I'm headed as well. Yeah. And th- the thousands of hours that were put into a terrible show like Willow. Exactly. Talented, wonderful yeah. people who probably are masters of the craft that they are working on. I just wanted to say this is something that bothers me with this era of like mega movies that are awful. Yeah. What a waste of human manpower (laughs) and just what a waste of like human like life. What you're saying is totally on the spot and it just bothers me. It's weird. The whole streaming thing just feels like this weird ominous block. It is. It'll be interesting to see if there ever does come an agreement between the writers and the major t- uh, movie studios and TV TV studios. But like, I guess it, it seems like they didn't have the foresight, the studios about yeah. streaming. They like, they had no idea that it was going to come to this. So it'll be interesting to see no. what the new contract contract um, covers, like in terms of yeah. like, now there's all this new artificial intelligence technology. Like, how is that going to be written into these contracts and what the writers want? It'll be interesting. But anyway, well, I think, this is a good time as any to get to last four. Ian, what you been watching? Thanks, Caleb. Yeah, I uh, I watched some great movies. So starting off, Your Sister's Sister, a movie from 2011 directed by the late Lynn Shelton. She actually passed away a few years ago. Fantastic movie. It's actually shot in uh, Washington over in, or- I nice. believe it's Orcas Island. It's a beautiful movie. After that, awesome. I watched the 1992 Robert altman classic the player starring tim robbins fantastic movie a very meta movie about the film industry and movie studios things like that and then caleb i took a trip to the movies i went to the movie theater and i watched i know i watched across the spider verse this is caleb blew my mind i i call i think i called you uh, a day after I watched this. And yeah. I actually, you know what? I talked to Andy, previous guest, on the last episode, and I said, you need to watch this movie. And he's like, nah, I don't know. I'm, I'll get around to it. And I was like, no, Andy, you have to go watch this movie. And then he sent me a text message that <laughs> just showed me that he bought his tickets and he was leaving right now to go watch it. Anyway, fantastic, fantastic movie. And then finally, awesome. I watched Paper Moon, the movie that you recommended. 1973, Paper Moon, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Very, very sweet movie. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you watched it. Thank you. And I'm glad you liked it. Oh, I had to. <laughs> I did. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. Still means a lot. No, okay. Okay. Well, it does. It is fun uh, telling people to watch movies and they actually watch them. That's so rare in life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you should listen to this band. Yeah, I'll get around to it. Never, never do. That's awesome. I also wanted to say uh, with Into the Spider-Verse, you gave it four stars, I believe. No, you gave it five stars. I gave five so you stars. really liked it. Mm-hmm. Our former guest, Angelo, his username on Letterboxd Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Angelo gave it four and a half stars, so he also really liked it. Yeah, I think right now I just checked. There's a little section on Letterboxd where you can look at the top 250 narrative feature films and it's currently number one. And that's like out of all movies, right? So that's like all time list. Now that could be recency bias. 
for, uh, sure. for me. However, it's 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 great. Like the the story, it's I think I I prefer the the first the first film's overall story. Mm-hmm. But the animation in this movie, they kind of they just leveled up. It's it's insane. It's it's crazy. I'm so excited to see it. It's one I will absolutely have to see in theaters. Definitely. Yeah, the player I think I've watched, but I kind of want to watch list that. So I'll check it out because yeah. I, it sounds cool. It's it's a very, very fun movie. My last seven real quick. Oldest seven. most recent. <laughs> episode seven, Caleb. Episode, episode seven. seven. Last four. So many numbers. I know. It gets math confusing. <laughs> no. This isn't so math. I don't know. As I said, I tried to go mm. in theme. So the first movie was the Blair Witch Project, nineteen ninety nine, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. I like this movie a lot. Amazing. I watched movie. it a few times. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife have been camping because it's summer. And so we watched it camping on an iPad and it was really fun and creepy. Huh. It was a, Did it was the really walls cool. in your tent cave in as you're watching it? No, but it, when the wind blows, it does yeah. that. And literally my whole life, I've been scared of that after watching this movie in whenever in middle school. Can I ask you life. a question? What? Why'd you pick that movie while you were camping? Awful. That was the point. I wanted to get it was scared. the plan. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's we wanted to watch something scary. And I was just like, well, this is like, an immer- it's like immersive uh, movie theater. Right. Oh my gosh. So I love it. It was mm-hmm. fun. And it's in theme because there is a theory that the main girl is the daughter of the Blair Witch. Oh, interesting. So it's like a month. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's you not got me. At all. It was a random one. That was my joke. I told you I had. That was your joke? joke? Your <laughs> yeah. joke was to prank me? Yeah. Caleb, how could you? <laughs> no, that could be a theory. That's a good one. If it is, that I is made good. It I mean, it made sense, right? Because I, I mean, you fooled me. I haven't seen it in like three years. It's a good one. So that was fun. Uh, now, here, here are my on theme movies. So, yeah. first. Big Daddy, 1999, directed by Dennis Dugan. And this is a great Adam Sandler movie. It's got all the Adam Sandler guys. Hilariously, or not hilariously, it is hilarious, though, Mm -hmm. but it's going to sound bad. Two of his friends that are, you know, he's those sets of guys, like, including Steve Buscemi, who's like in all his movies. The same guy. Two of them are a gay couple in this. And it's like very progressive. There's like one maybe bad joke, but like the first, when they're introduced, one of the friends, of Adam Sandler is talking to him. He's like, it's, it's just kind of weird since they've come out as gay. Like they were our brothers and Adam Sandler's like, they are our brothers. Aww. He's like, yeah, it's just different though. And he's like, nope, not really. And that's just the scene. Like he's just totally supportive. Just and there's like no joke. Yeah, it was cool. Is and, that and the movie where he doesn't know it's his kid or what's the deal? Yeah, it's actually his John Stewart's kid. John Stewart's in this. Oh, uh, wow. As his like, friend who's getting married and then finds out he had a kid but he just went to china john stewart did and so adam sandler kind of helps him out by taking care of the kid and then kind of just like yeah and and so they but they bond and adam sandler kind of grows up a little bit and helps the kid the kid's kind of like got social anxiety so he kind of helps the kid like loosen up and learn how to like uh get along in in society while being himself but this connected to paper moon in that it's about an irresponsible father figure trying to help a kid 
mm-hmm. learn how to be a kid or a human, you know? And so it was great. It was really fun. It's like a good Adam Sandler movie. That's not too stupid. And and so it's got, sure. like, it tries to have like a story and tries to have like a, an emotional payoff. And I really liked it. It was a fun, it was a fun one to watch. It's not like a click premise or a pixels premise. It's just very well, click down- is pretty heavy. Click it's no, I mean it's not like otherworldly where he gets like oh a no, yes. Right. No, he's just like a, a dude who's like living is, off uh he got hit by a bus, so he's just living off of bus money. Like what's the click premise? You really the movie click because he yeah. time travels, right? Right. And he can skip boring stuff. Okay. But then the the remote learns to auto skip boring things. So it learns See? his habits. So then he's just like an old man and he missed everything because everything was boring. And his kids have all grown up. And so then he can't stop it because he's like, no, I did want to watch them like play baseball. Like I didn't want to skip it every time. And then so then he's just like an old man and his kids don't talk to him. But then he gets to start over. So it's kind of like it's a wonderful life where he gets to see what life would be like if he was if he got everything the way he wanted, that he'd actually be lonely and sad. Well, you just told that from memory. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was like a there was a lot of people who were deeply impacted. Like I've heard lots of people say that movie makes them cry. It's like the it's like the scene in Interstellar where Matthew McConaughey yeah, yeah, sees his exactly. old daughter. Huh. But before Interstellar, ahead of its time. I just remember the click, the the movie poster for click is just Adam Sandler with the remote. Little did, remote you, yes. little did you know you'd be leaving traumatized. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bed, Bath, and Beyond. Be beware the Beyond. Right. Also, Sprouse Brothers in this movie. Oh Those are gosh. the brothers. Those so that must twins. be his Cole kids and Dylan. that grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Adam um, Sandler. Another. Yeah, I love him. I really do. And he was a 90s staple. Movies, Come on. Punch Drunk Love. He mm. could act. He could act. He just uh, doesn't want to, it seems. <laughs> he likes the dollar bills. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And good for him, man. Hey, come on. And he spreads the love on all his That's true. He hires his friends. Come on. Him. Yeah. Next movie, The Bad News Bears, 1976. Ooh. Another one I love. Another one about kind of an irresponsible father figure trying to help kids become you know, adults. This is the 76 or the original directed by Michael Ritchie. It's starring Walter Matthau and our very own Tatum O'Neill. Oh, very nice. The star of Paper Moon. She is a pitcher in this who is better than all the boys and kind of gets uh, is like the niece, I think, of Walter Matthau or kind of like the the stepdaughter in a sense. I think he dated her mom and maybe she he's her dad. I can't. I, w- I can't even remember if they ever explain it, but he's basically her father figure in this. Walter Matthau, uh, awesome. Tatum O'Neill's great in it. Great baseball movie. I've been trying to write reviews, Ian. Yeah, how's it going? Because I want to engage with things and be a part of things. And we have a show about this letterbox. This one, I said, baseball, opera and baseball, a great time. This movie, all the baseball scenes are scored yeah. by adaptations of music from the opera Carmen. Okay. And it's really great. I'd watch this movie a lot growing up because I love baseball movies. Pretty foul mouthed movie for a kid, isn't it? Oh my gosh. That was another thing I almost said in my review was the mouse on these children. I cut you off about your um your opera. Oh no, that's that's okay. So just the baseball scenes are scored by 
music from the opera Carmen adapted for film uh, by a composer. And it's just really good. And I never realized that I watched this movie a lot growing up, never mm. realized how fun the baseball scenes are and, and how kind of it just, it's a really unique fun movie. If you like baseball or sports movies, highly recommend. If you like Walter Matthau, highly recommend. If you like the opera Carmen, highly recommend. Wow. Hits all all three quadrants, all four quadrants. Yeah, it was it was great. It really was a fun movie and just and genuinely irreverent. It, they right. they spoiler, they lose the big game. They always do. They celebrate like they won, right. and that's like the big thing. The big arc in the movie is everybody learning how to win, but then learning maybe winning isn't actually that important. Still, right? It's a great movie. Finally, I had Paper Moon, 1973, directed by Peter B. Ogdonovich. Wow, I like how you did that. Thank you. I was trying to do it cooler. I really like his last name. Like, if I wish I had that last name, so you'd call me like Bog, Bogman, Bogdan. It's a, it's like a tennis name. Oh yeah, totally. Like a, like a tennis player name. Here comes the Bog. So. Anything you wanted to dive into on your last four? So real quick about Across the Spider-Verse, Caleb. And this is something that I mentioned. I said this to you before about how like studios will take the wrong idea from something. Yeah, learn the wrong lesson. Wrong lesson, correct. Yeah, so when uh, Into the Spider-Verse came out five years ago, that was an animation game changer, right? Everything was so totally. deep in the Pixar DreamWorks well. And then here comes this movie that really had people questioning like, oh, you can do that for an animation? No, had no idea. Right? And it was, it was yeah. popular. So they succeeded, right? Big time. And then movies started copying that. So then you had... Um, I'm trying to think. I feel I I just feel like people were like, okay, like you can we can we can kind of steer towards this. This is what's in, this is what's in vogue. We'll start doing animated movies like this. Nothing is coming in uh is coming uh nothing's coming to mind in terms of which movies. So that could be wrong in saying that. But um but this movie just took what the first movie did and just amplified it. And again, it made me leave the theater being like, oh, you can do that. There's there's scenes in this movie where you can f- see the brushstrokes of of the um, of like the the characters or like how how they interpret characters because they're all coming from different universes. Right. So in each universe, yeah. they're animated differently. They're animated um uh, different frame rates, things like that. Like some characters yeah. are uh, like, like a collage art. It's very, very cool. I think I'm thinking that's why I took to it so much. Again, like I said, the movie, the story overall is, is really fantastic, but I think I emotionally connected to the first one more. And this movie across the spider verse leaves you on a cliffhanger. So it does kind of feel like not like a finished product, if you know what I mean. But again, like fantastic regardless, but the art again, it's a work of art. I think everyone's been saying that, that's all I have to say. Goodbye. That's cool. No, I'm excited to see it. And then the first one, yeah, it was incredible. And it, from what I've heard, they stepped it up a lot this time and did a lot of cool new things. And so I'm very excited to see. I think Chris Miller and Phil Lord are 
Phil Miller and Chris Lord. I believe some combo yeah. of those mm-hmm, four mm-hmm. names are like some of the most like creative guys making movies right now. They just really make fun movies. Right. I kind of talked about all my movies enough. Mm. Should we just get to paper moon, which I am very excited about. Let's get to it. My friend, let's get to it. Paper moon. All right. First, we have a word from you today, I believe. Uh, And then we'll be back with the main thing. We need troops. We need troops in the army of Logit. We are on Instagram and you can follow us. Just go to Logit underscore pod, hit the follow button and like every single post that you see. We rely on you. We rely on our listeners. And not only are you listeners, but you guys will technically be day oneers in the army of Logit. Now, I'm kind of sticking with this army metaphor, and I apologize. To say we sound like zealots. <laughs> <laughs> and we command you. No. Hello, we're on Letterboxd. This is the premise of our podcast. You guys, you can follow us on letterbox.com. We are logit underscore podcast. Guys, get on the logit podcast. Follow us on Letterboxd. Follow us on Instagram. And that's it for me. Also, Rate and review us on Spotify. Hey guys, this is Tom with the sticker department. Big news for us. We have stickers now. That's a big deal for us in the sticker department, as it's all we do. In celebration of this, we're doing something crazy. These stickers will be available on a website to buy for dollars. And you can buy them if you'd like to. But what we're doing today... Because we're crazy here in the sticker department. We like to have fun. We're going to give one to you if you want it. So just ask for it. Message us on um, our log at Instagram uh, or comment uh, Tom? and Tom? let us know. Tom. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't give these out for free, Tom. Mm-hmm. Listen, the sticker department, it's not covering the cost of the podcast. I'm up a creek here, man. You got to give me some. Okay. Well, off the top of my head, they can like and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Like, if, there needs to be an incentive to give them free. Okay, Tom? We're excited about these stickers. It is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood art done by very talented at Sunflower Pop Shop on Instagram. We also have our logo also done by Sunflower Pop Shop. If you want one, the other, both, let us know. We'll figure it out. We'll make this work. I believe we'll figure it out. Welcome back. Thank you for that word from you, Ian, I think, or me, maybe. We haven't done it yet, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us through whatever that was. Up next, we have our feature film of the week, Paper Moon, 1973. Mm. That's Paper Moon, two words. There's a space. I always get confused. Directed by Peter Bogdanovich, as we've mentioned a few times. This is from 1973, starring Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. That is father-daughter in real life as Moses Prey and Addie Loggins, respectively. Madeline Kahn as Trixie Delight. John Hillerman as Deputy Harden. Fun fact, he was in Magnum Pie for 158 episodes. So he had a long, great career on television. He is the, the dirty cop who's the brother of the bootlegger who haunts them. The second half of the got movie. Got it. Got it. Got it. Did you call it Magnum Pie? 
And then uh, one other interesting person in the cast. There's others. There's also Randy Quaid is in this, which is random and great. Really? He's a hillbilly. Yeah, he's the guy who's he's one of the brothers who's checking out the car when they do the car swap. Wow. I did not even know. He was catch like the main that. brother who wrestles, who wrestles them. Uh, oh, that's the one that says wrestles? Yeah, that's Randy Quaid. Oh, holy cow. Uh, and then also starring Noble Willingham who played Mr. Robertson, who's the guy at the very mm. beginning that he cons 200 bucks out of that becomes a big running theme throughout the movie, the 200 bucks. And he mm. was in Walker, Texas Ranger for 155 episodes. So he also had a long, wow. great career in television, among other films. I thought that was really interesting. This was written by Joe David Brown. I believe it was a novel first. Uh, he also Correct, helped yeah. write the screenplay for the movie. He also adapted this into a TV show that went for 13 episodes by the same name, Paper Moon. The other writer of this, and I'm guessing who helped him adapt it into a screenplay, was Alvin Sargent, who wrote mm. Spider-Man 2, 3. <laughs> I saw that. And The Amazing Spider-Man 1. Wild. Yeah. Very cool. And then one last thing about the cast I'd like to say. Ed Reed played the mm. lawman slash Bible buyer when they conned the guy who's with oh, the widow okay. yeah. and they think they're going to get caught for a second. And then Addie pulls it off. Addie to the rest. Yeah. That's the only movie he's in. That's oh, the only thing he's. And so I'm guessing it was a real guy who is around or in the town or something, but I thought he was right, really they, great in that. Quick yeah. Scene. Awesome. He's really imposing. And then when he flips to being a sweet, nice guy who wants to buy the Bible, I believe both sides of it. And so I, I just thought that was interesting. Kind of weird, random one and done. Hey, leave on a high, right? So, Ian, this was your first time seeing this. Yes, that is correct. Um, there, there are stakes in this movie, but it was a nice, like, light, wild romp of a, a of a movie. I, I am big. I am big on like con scam movies. Kind of like your Ocean's Eleven, things of that nature. So this was right up my alley. I had no idea what the movie was about going into it. And I knew of Peter Bogdanovich because as I was starting my movie journey, wanting to kind of delve into more movie history, Peter Bogdanovich's name comes up a lot. So I watched yep. listed all of his movies, Paper Moon being another one. And Last Picture Show also is another one I really, really want to watch. But yeah, did not see this movie until you recommended it. And it was a delight, I must say. Good. So I, I thank you. I thank you oh, for yeah. sharing this with me. No, it's fun. It's fun recommending movies and people actually watching them and being it able is. to talk about them. Because that's always what you're kind of hoping is you can end up having a conversation <laughs> yeah. about it. I was going to say, this is more of a movie sharing pod. Like we started this podcast in order to share movies. Just to finally <laughs> yes, be able to yeah. get somebody to talk to us about movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's working. It's great. I, we've had so many great conversations with other people, too. I have a new movie. Show and uh, tell, Andy. if you will. Yeah. yeah. What was your association with this movie? Because I'm assuming you've seen it before. Yeah. So I've watched it a couple times in high school, probably, or after high school and enjoyed it, but didn't quite get what I was looking for. I think didn't at really that resonate. time I was probably expecting something more like Big Daddy, where it has a resolution and it's more sure. of like a comedy. And, and and this is has some pretty heavy themes about mm. kids growing up maybe too quickly and not understanding what they're learning exactly. Like there's a really great scene in this movie where Tatum O'Neill is on her own Addie 
is on her own in the shop and she cons the guy or no, oh, she's at the so fair good. and she cons the the fair guy just on her own. Not even as like my favorite thing. scenes, like she's just doing it because it's what she does. And that scene is so good and so powerful because it's like scary because you're like, Addie, like you're going to get caught. Like, yeah, her courage and ambition evolve throughout the movie toward to like the very last scene where where she talks to Moses Prey, which we should also talk about. What a great, great name, name for a character, Moses Prey. Um, just saying like we can we can do more. We can do bigger and better things. Right. So you can see her yep. character evolution of her scam skills if you will yep. just progressing and yeah that that was very scary to see a a 10 year old yes. child just do it so properly and so yes and just totally rip that guy off and then when she's mm-hmm. the one motivating the mobster scam that ends up being right. kind of a bridge too far thankfully no one no major consequences but becomes kind of the real consequence they hit for their fun and games of scamming people and right. Addie is the one who motivates that scam because she's the one who points out, she notices what the guy's doing is funny. And then the dad's like, oh, he's a, he's doing this. Let's check it out. And he's the one who sends her to go follow a bootlegger. And I'm not an expert in bootlegging history, but I know they're wow. criminals who right. are don't want people snooping on their business. And so immediately sure. the movie takes this like heavier sense of danger. And that scene was really well that's great. when the stakes come into play because you don't really True know stakes. what the outcome of the situation is yes. going to be it's no longer just widows poor old ladies who are pretty low risk it's a this is like real crime now right well speaking on on Addie and her and her scam knowledge or evolution in the beginning of the movie when they're kind of doing their bible their bible sale scam and just yeah. her her first improv and she ups the price of the Bible because she yes. can see that the yes. woman is is of wealth. So she sees she knows in that in that in that she instance, reads the oh, mark I can get even more. better than exactly. Yeah. Exactly. She's a natural. She doesn't even know what she's doing, but is able to. I love that. I love. Yeah. That. And so a quick background on the film. Mm. This is about a irresponsible dad who doesn't want to take responsibility for their child getting forced to take the child in this case Addie, the mom dies and so she is left with him to take to the closest family and so they have to go on a road trip to drop her off with her new family he refuses to admit that he's the father but it seems pretty clear that he is her biological father and right. he kind of takes her on and makes her part of his con man gig like a master and apprentice yep and so he refuses to accept her as a daughter but is willing to take her on as a con man apprentice and the road trip to get to the place to drop her off is full of hijinks and adventures Mm -hmm. and they realize they do love each other spoilers i think we've already kind of gotten to it but it is a very happy but appropriate ending. I do love that this movie just jumps into it. I feel like if this was made now, there would be such a long backstory of Addie or Moses and their like personal history or, or whatever. But the movie literally just jumps right to Addie's mom is dead. There's a funeral scene. And then for whatever reason, Moses shows up to pay his respects and then they're off. The journey starts there. They do a great job of, telling you about the characters and about their backstory as the movie goes 
So it's not like an exposition dump at the beginning. You kind of get hints and tidbits as you go, if you pay attention to what they say. And it's really, really well done. I couldn't believe how good Tatum O'Neill was. I watched Bad News Bears as well because she's in that. And and it kind of fit. I don't know if this is accurate, but it's like a true-to-life character for her. I feel like she... It was almost like a, um, it almost felt like method acting. Like you could tell that she was just kind of that kind of kid that kind of got it. Yeah. Like enveloped in the role. And as you said before, Ryan O'Neill, the character or the actor that plays Moses is her real life father. So I wonder if that plays into it. Like there was just such a kind of like easygoing nature on the film set that she was just able to can kind of play that that daughter role if you will also we're bearing the lead yeah. caleb tatum o'neill won an oscar for this movie yes okay so this perfectly segues to into some other things no 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 because this is a you you said it was almost planned how perfectly you segued wow so I, this was not planned, i watched by the way. nothing was i watched we didn't even plan on meeting at the same time this was just luck <laughs> i watched a 2011 interview with them at the palm springs international film festival it was ryan o'neill and tatum o'neill as adults obviously both of them and it was very interesting i think it's the last public appearance i could find with both of them i don't know if ryan o'neill has passed away i didn't look he's still alive i looked okay never mind let's cut that out no leave it in but there was it was very insightful in what they said and also in how they acted so you mentioned how Mm there was probably just a lot of her living the movie to a degree. She mentioned a few things about how with her dad, Ryan, it sometimes felt like she was treated like an adult. And she said to Mm. me, there was no difference between kids and adults. We were always the same. And that's explains her character a lot. And then right after like on the set, no, just like with her dad, like her, that's the way Ryan O'Neill raised her in real life. Oh, interesting. So she, right after that, she says, and now I wish I was a kid again. Of course. Yeah. And so I get the sense that she was one of those kids that grew up too fast and like real a latchkey life. kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of had, there's a sense, there was a few things she said that gave a sense that she and Ryan O'Neill didn't have a great relationship in real life, yeah, especially after they're working together. And then you mentioned, so Tatum O'Neill won an Oscar. Funnily mm-hmm. enough, Madeline Kahn was nominated for Best Supporting Actress that year as well. So they were both nominated for Paper Moon for Best Supporting Actress. And Tatum O'Neill beat Madeline Kahn. Even in that interview in 2011, there was a sense mm-hmm. that she was uncomfortable being asked that question. Because probably oh, so I many bet. times in her life, people were like, so is Madeline Kahn mad at you that you won and you were just a little kid? And she was talking about how she didn't understand what the Oscars were even about. Of course not. Or yeah. what it meant. So she didn't even like realize how personal it might have been for all the older women who didn't. This might be their only chance in their life. And then she was this little I, girl who like won this prestigious award and was like, woohoo, I didn't have to go to school I'm, for three months. <laughs> right. It's interesting that she won for Best Supporting Actress when she is basically the lead. Like, the lead. Yeah, that's interesting. I was reading some things about this movie and originally it was supposed to be directed or the movie was associated with director John Houston. 
who did the African Queen, just a lot of classics, the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. And it was supposed to star Paul Newman and his daughter, Nell Potts. And I was wondering if that was just what ev- what they had in mind was having a, a father-daughter like duo. Like it's made such a good opportunity. Which makes sense to because like, because, yeah. because the character like you you definitely you kind of want that familiarity on yeah. set. And you can just yeah. tell by the by the performances. Um and if- if you can just get that chemistry naturally instead of relying on acting from a kid, exactly. you know, why not take that shortcut or not shortcut, but just take the smarter route. And I think it should, it should be known that like, I think we've been singing the praises of Tatum O'Neill because she's 10 years old and child actors usually get a bad rap. Like usually they're yeah. not like, that's usually my, the worst part of movies that star kids is the kid, the the kids themselves yeah so just what an applause applause break to yeah. Tatum that and great. interesting thing the tv show adaptation the Addie character was played by mm. Jodie Foster Jodie Foster oh, wow. is said to be the inspiration for the child actress in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that's right I read that too very interesting so just a fun connection to one of our previous uh, featured films I love it Speaking of characters, you mentioned Madeline Kahn. I've, mm. I don't think I was looking at her, her filmography and I've seen her in like, or I've heard her because she was a voice actor in a bug's yep. life. And I saw mm. young Frankenstein blazing saddles. She's very, very funny, extremely funny. She has some of the, she has one of the most, one of my favorite lines or two of mine, which are in the same scene. So basically what, yeah, let me illustrate the scene for you please um maybe my favorite scene in the movie if it's what i think you're talking about it's one of the best it's one of the best um so moses and addy they go to it's almost like a track like a circus like a carnival and they pick Mm. up a um what would she be is she like a dancer or i think yeah she's like yeah something like that thing yeah so they pick up, I'm trying to find her character name, sorry. Trixie Delight. Mm-hmm. Trixie Delight, great name. Again, the <laughs> yeah, names are fantastic. Uh, Trixie Delight and um and her helper named Emojin, who I also, I love, I'm trying to find, oh, by PJ Johnson. Yeah, she does not have that. She only has two movies listed on Letterboxd, but her and Addie have a lot of scenes together and they're fantastic yeah. together i love heartbroken them, when they have to split up but continue i'm so super sad <laughs> that was a sad but anyway so they pick up trixie and imogene and they they're they're basically taxing them to their next destination they offer to give yeah. them a ride yeah. and addy is upset because because she wants to sit in front she got relegated to the back seat there's also a running joke where Trixie, she has to use the restroom and she calls it, what does she call it? Tinky Winky or something? <laughs> yeah, throughout the so. whole movie. She's like, Trixie has to do something just awful, but I loved it. <laughs> but anyway, so they pull over so she can take so she can take her Tinky Winky and Addie <laughs> does, refuses to come back in the car. She's upset. And so Trixie goes over to kind of coax her back into the car. Well, first she's like, you like Mickey the mouse as she's walking up and then she trips and she's like, ow, son of a bitch, like right away. And it just made me crack up. But the line that made me laugh so much, which also I read that she like refused to do. She did not want to do the line. So she she goes up and she says, let old Trixie sit up front with her big tits. And then she just 
<laughs> and then there's like you can see because I read kind of like a fun fact about that line where she refused to say it. She didn't want to say it. it was too blue for her. But then Peter was just like, let's just do one take of it. We're just going to do one take and that's it. And then, of course, that's the take he uses for the movie. But she does the line and then you can see like the immediate embarrassment on her face after she says it. There's gold. I love like that made me laugh so much. I love that that was in the movie. I loved it. It cracked me up too. caught me off guard. Caught me off guard. So funny because that's a great scene in general. The range she displays from the physical comedy of tripping, like you mentioned and totally breaking, like she starts out going from like that kind of like, I'm going to be the sweet mother type and coax her out. Yes. And then just immediately cracks her facade right there and then tries to be like tough with her and tries to just like force her to come back. And then finally gets to this like real heartfelt speech where (laughs) she's like, when she talks about how, men it never works out she's like especially if i like them so don't worry she's like let me just have a few days and i'll be out of your hair really seems to open up and finally just like realize yeah she bears her soul to this child yeah and then it works and tatum o'neill kind of respects it it seems because she does uh, get back in the car at that point i kind of feel like madeline khan should have won over tatum o'neill i don't care about oscars i think Mm. they're worthless truly but that that speech was I was engrossed and had my full attention and I bought every like bit of it. Madeline mm-hmm. Kahn, you said you hadn't seen what's up doc. She's in what's up doc as well. I watch listed that just for that alone. I she's becoming one of my all time, like favorite comedians. Like she's up there with like Chris Farley. They just like stole the show. They just had this like energy where they were just like so fun to watch. Can't say enough good about Madeline Kahn in this movie. It was great performance. And in general. Oh, actually, can I can I say one more line that I loved from Yeah, please, please. So (laughs) there is there's a scene where Addie is confronting Moses about why they picked up Trixie Delight, like unnecessary, blah blah blah. And then Moses says, Miss Deline ain't no cow. She's a proper woman. She has a high school diploma, which just made me love laugh that that was just, I mean, it, it made sense given the times. It's a great depression era movie, yes. but just the fact that she has a high school diploma is what makes her a proper woman. I absolutely loved that. I think in that rant, he says something about her being from a good family. Did you say that? Too? I think so. Yeah. She's like, she's from a good family. She has a high school. So amazing. But, and he starts defending it before Tatum had even said anything. So he's just so self-conscious right. of her having Trixie delight as a name and knows how it sounds. That scene also reminded me. So the fourth movie I wanted to watch in relationship with this was somewhere, but from directed by Sofia Coppola. <sighs> Love that movie. So good. Another awesome father, daughter kind of bad dad trying yes, to learn how to be great. a good father. That's a great reference, Caleb. Great movie. Love it. Absolutely. Love it beautiful great music the music was done by sofia coppola's husband the lead singer of oh phoenix right phoenix yes and the music's really pretty um a slow burn but also very funny and heartfelt very similar to this movie i think it must have been at least in mind great los angeles movie too yeah beautiful hotel uh chateau marmont marmont Mm -hmm. marmont however you say it yeah, really, really a, a, a great movie. And that scene specifically reminded me of somewhere and somewhere there's kind of a lady that 
is in their life for a day and mm. Elle Fanning doesn't like her. And they have this moment where she's staring at the dad disapprovingly while the girl is there. And it reminded me very oh, much of the scene where she's just sitting there quietly while he tries to defend this relationship that yeah. she's not even like <laughs> challenging. Choice, just her, yeah. her silence is so loud. Another black and white movie, by the way, Caleb. Yeah. Is there a third? Yes. Third non-black and white era black and white film too, artistically black and white movie. We're very artistically minded here. We're very hoity-toity, <laughs> black and white over color all day. Silent films I prefer when I can. <laughs> yeah, none of these talkies. Did you yeah. read anything? I didn't read anything in terms of the choice of why it was black and white or Sean black and white. Did you read anything about that? No. Because you and I referenced an interview between Noah Baumbach and Peter Bogdanovich and they were talking about kind of the choice the reason the reasoning or the choice behind francis hobb being in black and white and i was trying to think of i mean i could just be lizard braining it and like oh because they're both black and white they're both similar movies but there was yeah. like this nice kind of um this nice pairing between the two i didn't know if there was a reason why he shot this in black and white and i was wondering if you did well so i was wondering the same thing i didn't see anything mm. but yeah that conversation you mentioned when Noah Baumbach is deciding or explaining why he chose it. He references Peter Bogdanovich saying performances always look better in black and white. And since this is a black and white movie, he chose to do black and white, which last picture show I believe is also black and white and doesn't have to be. I'm guessing it's, this is a, this is a performance movie and also Mm. dusty middle America looks great in black and white. Nebraska shot in black and white and similar kind of aesthetic. I am kind of non-educated, for lack of a better word, in terms of kind of like the the camera science or like just sim- cinematography in general. Like, mm-hmm. I think I know I know what I like basically, but I just don't know the wording yeah. behind it. But yeah, totally. I was reading that. So for this movie, he used something called deep focus cinematography. Have you heard of that? Or I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so this is basically just like uh, the definition of it, but it's the a, a camera angle that keeps everything in perspective. So the mid-ground, background, and foreground. So everything is lit, everything is visible, and you can yep. see that. And if I could add to that, I think everything's also Please. in focus. Yes, usually. exactly. So That's there's not is. a blurry background. They don't use that mm-hmm. artistic uh, bokeh, you can call it, or depth of field. Uh, right, so there's that. There's that, and then every there's so many extended takes. I think the pairing of those two is it just, it makes the film just so much more mesmerizing. Like there's, it's shot in, I think Kansas and Missouri. So there's a lot of like long wide takes of just kind of nothing, mm-hmm. but there's shots of talking in the car. Exactly. Them talking or there's like diner scenes uncut for like three minutes of dialogue. I love it. I it's eat beautiful. that up. It's Me so too. good. It's so good. So I agree. I just wanted to shout that out because I thought that I was looking at movies. I can't reference any of them because I forgot, but there's a list of movies that kind of use that deep focus well, cinematography and they're all yeah. ma- amazing. Us is one of them. Us was referenced. Yes. And if I could, so yeah. one of the first movies to utilize that kind of um, multiple actions in a single frame and what you could also mm. call like the deep frame, I believe, or the, the deep okay. was citizen Kane. And if you remember in citizen Kane at the very beginning, the parents are talking about Never shipping seen the kid off or something. It's really boring. No offense to anybody. <laughs> I'm, it's very boring, but I just remember this being like a film fact. 
the kid is talking, the kid is playing in uh-huh. the snow in the, in the background through a window. Bad. And then in the foreground, the parents are in a house and they're talking about okay. the kid who's going to have to go live with somebody else. Like they're about to get rid of him basically. And you see him playing in the snow behind mm-hmm. them. It's one of the first times in film you had layered shots to tell stories like that, where the, the, I the, love the, the, there was two things happening at once. And this movie, there was a shot where they're talking about the bootleggers where they're sitting in one room and through the window, you can see the bootlegger that reminded me very much of that. And I Mm. think plays into the full frame thing where when you're using the full frame like that, you can have different stories happening in the same shot and, and include a lot of information community, the TV show did an episode that was really interesting that utilized this in a fun way over the course of a full episode only ever in the background a storyline of Abed helping a, a student give birth and so throughout <laughs> the episode you can see Abed in the background like helping her walk to class and then you can see her water break and then you see Abed uh-huh. helping her like breathe and stuff but it's only in the background it's just additive I love that but anyway I feel like I'm talking a lot no, no, no. I was going to say another shout out because we're talking about kind of the cast and who we loved. I'm trying to find the name of the um, of the hotel desk clerk. Oh, I loved him. Floyd, who was the desk clerk at the hotel they <laughs> ended up shacking up at. What a smile. Smarmy mustached hotel desk clerk portrayed by Burton Gilliam or Gilliam, excuse me, play uh, plays Floyd. First film, Caleb. This is his first wow. movie, and he knocks it out of the park. Scumbag. Yeah, stole that scene. Mm-hmm. He's in Back to the Future 3, Blazing Saddles. He's in Fletch. You know, he's, I mean, I didn't ever recognize him, but he no. was so, so good in this movie. He does movie. look familiar. He did, yeah. Also loved the, um, there's a, there's like a small chase scene, and when they get away from the cops, there's a sweet peel out from the car. I thought that was pretty badass. If you, if I, if you'll, um, some cool car stunts. And when, when the cops cut them off and yes. swerve in front of them, that cool was like car awesome. Yeah. I was yeah. really, I, I agree. I, and yeah. So the, so the movie is based on a book called Addie prey, right? I believe. Mm. Yes. A 1971 novel, Addie prey. So when Peter Bogdanovich adapted the movie, he didn't want that to be the film name. He didn't want that to be the name of the movie. So he chose Paper Moon because of the song, and he liked the title of the song. And when he picked Paper Moon, he asked his friend, Orson Welles, famed director, actor, if he liked the name. And then Orson Welles said, it's such a good name, you don't even need to make the movie. Just release the name. Which I disagree with. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. But I'm like, oh, that's that's great. Because it has nothing to do with the movie. It's just a song. It's a Benny Goodman song, I believe, who is a, a jazz clarinet player. Yeah, I thought, that was, I thought that was interesting. Also, because the book gives away the parentage. Because the entire movie, you're trying to, you're like, is, it, is, he, is she the daughter? Is she not the daughter? And then the book is just called Addie Prey. Right. Yeah. Which she does kind of adopt in a Ray Skywalker sort of sense. She never Ooh, officially she buries the lightsaber, right? But she—that's like the only acknowledgement you get in the whole movie that she's her daughter. His daughter is that she says in a con, "I'm Abby Prey," and he doesn't say no. I think that's the only time oh. he gives her any leeway on being her kid, his kid. 
the fun thing, the only connection to Paper Moon is the photo booth that Addie wants to take oh, a picture with yeah. her dad, Moses. Uh, Moses mm-hmm. Thank you. With Moses. And he never comes. And at the very end of the movie, she leaves in the picture of her sad and alone on the Paper Moon photo mm. booth. And that's what spurs him to come back. The thing right. I always forget the cover of this movie is Addie and her father sitting on the paper uh-huh. moon photo booth together, which never actually happens in That's the gonna, movie. Right, right. That's the happy ending. You never get, I always think it's going to end with them doing it and that'll be the last mm-hmm. scene, but it's literally just the cover has left such an imprint of them together on it that I think it's coming at the end of the movie. And so it's like, it's a cool movie thing where the cover is like the happy ending. It's like a foreshadow. Yeah. Right. And like assuming it's it happened at some point afterwards, like it, it's pretty fun. It's a pretty like meta uh, way to do it. And I don't know if it's on purpose or is just the best right. cover. And but it it totally feels like the in my mind it's canon. I have a question for you. Yeah. So the character Ryan O'Neill's character Moses Prey is his name, and in the movie, his scam is selling Bibles to recently um, widowed people. Yeah. So do you think that's his real name or did he pick Moses mm. Prey because of the line of work he was uh, going into, the Bible selling, if you will? Like if, if he was like um, bootlegger, would he be Ryan Whiskey, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which is a bad bl- name. <laughs> I believe it was a con name. I believe I think it was so his too. Bible I also... Yeah, I agree too. I also love that every time he's going to con someone, he inserts his gold tooth, his little gold tooth, which I think is kind of a red flag. I would not do that. I would, that makes you look like more suspicious. Yeah, I didn't, maybe it was a thing of that time where maybe it'd be like a distraction to, or maybe it's a sign that you have money. And so he thought it'd be like, they're not going to think you're scamming if you got a gold tooth. But I did think that was hilarious. And then when he swallows it, when he gets beat up, he's like, I swallowed my gold tooth. (laughs) So good. Did you have any favorite scenes besides, or anything that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah. Off the top of my head, Mm. definitely the Madeline Kahn scene we already talked about would be up there. So good. Just anything with her, honestly. Agreed. Just her whole part I love a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Another one of my favorite scenes is when Moses tries to trade the car and he's talking to those country hillbilly types. And I don't mean that to be mean. It just says how they're very much represented. And he challenges them to wrestle and then he kicks their butt and turns out he's really good. You don't get much insight into who he was before this movie ever. And that's probably the most insightful thing you get into what his background was. When he's talking about the wrestling, he talks to him about which game they're going to play and what style of that game. So he's very familiar. Yeah, he had a knowledge to it. So he seems like a guy who grew up on a farm and didn't Mm. want to be a farmer. It reminds me a lot of Lee Schreiber's character, actually, in Day Trippers, where he's kind of a working-class guy who resents the working class and, like, believes he's like, deserves to be better. Because they also talk about Franklin Roosevelt a lot. 
and how hey, he thinks he's kind of a fool and Saint how Frank she, or whatever he calls him. Yep. She, he makes mocks him and she likes mm-hmm. the daughter Tatum likes her, him because he's standing up for poor people in the working class. Right. And the dad is kind of resentful of that. So yeah. I love that scene. Cause you get a ton of backstory without ever mentioning anything about his backstory. And then it's really sweet when, Tatum O'Neill is shocked at how good he was at wrestling and he kind of yeah. smiles at he her and at her. Yeah. Yes. And then a hard cut to him pushing the shitty truck. He just won the bet for to give away his right. brand new car to, to get a truck. He has to push up the hill. So, so it goes from his like his like best moment in front of her to him like pushing <laughs> yeah, the truck. <laughs> so it's just like back to reality. Up. Yeah. Caleb. So throughout this podcast you have been connecting this movie or movies to previous movies and i can't help but whenever you do that i can't help but think of the meme of charlie day in the mailroom with the cigarette (laughs) and with all the figuring it out yeah i'm just like (laughs) exactly yeah i cannot help but think that because you're like that's how i feel sometimes hey man you're good at it i love it it's just every time you brought it up some of my other favorite scenes i haven't mentioned um i love the cop chasing pretty badass i love the wrestling scene like you said that was unexpected and that's the randy quaid scene so So that was randy right yes yes it felt so out of place because it's not really like that and the cop scene well not 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 the cop scene but the wrestling scene definitely felt out of place but also it it was just so great to watch out of place in the sense that like it was like this really quick action set piece and like a hint of a threat, like for a minute. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're in danger and then it just turns into like a fun beat. Right. And I love all the solo Addy cons. So the my yeah. my favorite is when she goes to kind of the um, like a high society store where they sell expensive things and she scams the uh, the cashier woman who is just so flustered. I felt so bad for her. So good at her job. Yeah. right like she does the fo- like the change <laughs> trick where she's like okay if i give you this much can you give me that if i give you this much can i give you that and then i didn't realize that um right before she interacts with the cashier um moses does and he gives her um a 20 dollar bill which is referenced by addy so yeah right you combine after. two does cons this make sense you yeah two cons so there's the one con where she gives her a five to pay for something but the dad left uh-huh. a 20 with a specific note that that's she's what it reference. is yep. so she'll say but mine had a note on it i swear and then they're like yeah it did so she's not lying but then they yeah, also so she good. also did do the the give me a one give me change for a five yes which i was gonna I, ask do you know I, how that con works because i did not understand no idea they, no clue i was lost was, yeah me too because i could i would have been scammed yeah i've probably been scammed by that trick already and then i love all the imogene and and addy scenes together as well because they do a little con of their own and they were pj johnson was fantastic i loved her she was so so great a great little mini parent trap kind of plot there in the middle Mm -hmm. of it that's what yeah yeah i thought that's sequence i mentioned it earlier with pj it was so sad because Addie is so happy to get going and on with her life. But then PJ like lost a friend. It felt like, like they were mm-hmm. like bonding, but like Addie's almost like too. I don't know. PJ seemed much more aware of what she was losing than Addie did and how special it was to have a friend like that. Yeah. That right. Also that scene with Madeline Kahn is hilarious where she gets so mad about the $25 <laughs> offer. And then 
within like two lines is like $25 you say Um, I have two random things as well if I can get those off so throughout the movie Addie she's even on the poster Addie is a smoker you see that she's a smoker lots of smoking lots of smoking so those this is what just what it says there's no there's no other um, proof there's no other information about it but they said that the cigarettes, there were non-nicotine cigarettes, and they were made of lettuce. So I'm assuming Ooh. that the tobacco is lettuce, and those made her sick. Like, they made her nauseous. I was going to say, it's probably worse than tobacco. Yeah. Making her smoke green? That yeah, green? Not even, <laughs> even that green would have been... That's no. disgusting. That seems, like, horrible. Yeah. I feel. I mean, smoking cigarettes for your kid. I don't know. Yeah. You remember that YouTube video of the little kid with like twelve hundred cigarettes, or the big little kid? Yeah. I wonder what he's doing now. I hope he's still. Hope he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, so like we said before, Tatum O'Neill won the Academy Award uh, for Best Supporting Actress in nineteen seventy four, and she was also uh, another nominee was Linda Blair. Who is only four years older than her for the for exorcist? For the exorcist. Wow, that's dumb. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Interesting. So they were the Hollywood is hot for little kids. Okay, well that year. <laughs> you should rephrase that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Because that was Jodie Foster time, we know, because that TV show right. came out the next year, too, where she was a rising when was, star. Because when was Taxi Driver? That was like 70. That's 76. 76 off the top of my head sounds right. She could I've never watched yeah, Taxi Driver. Oh, it's great, Caleb. I would love to. Yeah, that's on my watch list for sure. We can watch this. That. I also wanted to watch this. Oh, I did watch this. I think. Yeah, they're the one you mentioned, the performer, the politician, or the. The player? Player. Yeah, great, great, great movie. <clears throat> Any uh, Anything else? Um, so I mentioned Tatum O'Neill was very young when she did this. She had mm-hmm. never acted before. She was in school. Right. And basically her dad was like, if you get this movie, you don't have to go back to school for a while. And she's like, awesome. I'd love to. <laughs> so it was not like looking to be an actress. I don't even think, but she's like, I got to hang out. She said this in her 2011 interview. I got to not like ditch school and go hang out with my dad all day. So it was like the best right. deal ever. And so she had a great time filming. It sounds like Bogdanovich apparently was super great with her. One thing she mentioned really appreciating about his directing was that he would actually get on his knees and talk to her before filming. So, and specifically to her. So he talked to the cast and get everybody set. And then he'd come to her and kind of talk to her mm. about what was going to happen and, and talk her through the scene. Basically. I thought it was just very sweet. And it definitely probably made her feel more comfortable on set, which you can yeah, tell and in the more movie. She cool. And not just like all these exactly. giant people telling her what to do. And, you know, she got to feel like she was part of the movie making process and part of the mm-hmm. team, which I just thought was great. And I think you can see it in the movie. Like, I think that probably helped her performance like a ton. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, he's a great performance director or acting director, whatever you call yeah, it. Yeah, I am. Um, I think I read too. I think I read too that Peter Bogdanovich had like zero hopes for the not 
no, zero hopes on this movie becoming like a financial success. And I'm, I'm sure he did not think that anyone was going to be an Oscar winner. Nominated. If anyone, it would be like Ryan O'Neal or something. Do you have any idea what the budget was? Yeah, keep in mind, this is a, night, a movie from 1973, but budget 2.5 million made wow. 30.9 million. So it made oh, everything so major back hit. and more. Major, yeah, hit. major hit. Bigger budget than I expected, but it makes sense because there are some fun set pieces. And I do, this is filmed in the 70s, but it's set in the 40s. Is that right? Uh, 30s, I believe. Uh, 30s? Uh, yeah, 1936. So probably a decent amount of set building to recreate. It's so believable. Yeah. You don't think about them having to like fake it, but exactly. No, yeah. I just, I loved it. I'm glad I got to watch it and share it with you and kind of talk about it on the record on this podcast. Cause it's one. When I first watched it, I didn't love it. Like, I'll be honest. I don't mm. think I got it. I think I might've mentioned that earlier, but it's one that's grown on me a lot. And mm. I think as my appreciation of, of like nuance in film and my ability to like understand that stuff has grown. My like love for this movie specifically has cause it's not like a happy ending. You don't get like a big payoff. Right. You do get a moment, but it's still, they're still bickering and the dad still says like, I don't want you. And she's like, well, I want my 200 bucks. And that's where they end off, you know? Exactly. It's very ambiguous. And, and since you know, the real life stuff now that plays into it, but right it's a really special movie in that it mixes real life with filmmaking mm. in a way that you almost shouldn't and like you you maybe don't know how if it was a positive thing for the people involved in the long run i question right oh right. you know um but it is like a beautiful thing. It documents and, and a, a story that like people resonate with and like has like entertained and will continue to entertain so many people. There's something about that dynamic that really haunts me about films and is also something I, mm. I love about movies. I mean, like that's a big thing with the shining is that it really messed with some of the actors and actresses in the film. Right. And, and it adds to kind of the mystique of it as a horror film. So, so right. this kind of has that feel to me where it's almost more bittersweet on both ends. It's sweeter and more sad. Knowing it's a movie with baggage. Yeah. It's almost impossible to, to love this movie without taking in all that stuff as well and, and adding it to the mix and accepting it kind of other. Yeah. I don't know. It's more like the fallout of the, of like, I don't know what the like onset dynamics were, but it's, I feel like it's more of the fallout of like what came the relationships between true. a daughter and a, and a father after this movie. Well, Ian, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Caleb. Yes. I think you're forgetting something. I don't think so. It's time to read reviews, my dear boy. Ah, cue the theme song. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome everyone to Ian's Review Corner where I read reviews on Letterboxd from the Letterboxd community. What do you say, Caleb? You ready for this? Yeah, so what's the official name of the segment? I call it Ian Reads Reviews, but what do you call it? Ooh, that... Hmm, I really cornered myself in Ian's 
review corner. I like that updated. I'll okay. update it officially. On the okay. Things. Canon. We're we're recanonizing yeah, log it. Trademark. Okay. Much like silent snacks, this is Ian's yes. review corner. We're it should expanding. be review. It should be RR. Like art review. You know, like um, alliteration. Roundup. Review roundup. Oh, ew. I didn't mean to say you. I meant to say oh, I like the yeehaw. Oh, you can have like 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 horse hooves. Horse hooves. Let's do that. Let's do that. Ian's review roundup. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw, Caleb. Love it. That was just I born. Just... You experienced that with us, people. Oh, this is all recorded. Great. Yes, sir. Yeehaw, Caleb. I just rounded up the best reviews in the letterbox community all Giddy right up. all right yes sir <laughs> okay i'm gonna start off with some posies some positive reviews because we love it because you know why not this is from we try to keep it positive we try to be positive that's correct this is from brendan o'hare he gave this a four-star review and he says this film brings together two of the best possible character types Huckster Bible salesman and child who smokes. And the result is four out of five stars. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. This is from username KYK and they gave it three and a half stars. And they say Tatum O'Neill charges that rich lady $24 for a Bible. I ran that through an inflation calculator and $24 in the 1930s would amount to about $420 today. Okay. Wow. Work. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, that's thank cool. That's so a fun much. fact. Thank you, Kick. Yeah, thank you, Kick, for doing uh, well the Lord's work on that one. This is another four-star review from Kevin T. Porter, a favorite of mine. And they say, as a future father of daughters, I thought this movie was terrific. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> nice. That's good. <laughs> oh, I like that one a lot. And then my last positive review, this is from Liam F. They give it a four and a half star review and they say, Ryan O'Neill casually handing his nine-year-old daughter a lit cigarette has got to be one of the funniest images ever committed to celluloid. Liam, we agree. Yeah, that's good. That's, fu- that's a good one. Yep. Thank you, Liam. But Caleb, not everybody liked this movie. This movie did have some negative reviews. So okay. I think we should we should also we should shout these out because it's only fair. Yeah. This is a one and a half star review from Mehdi Omidavari. Omidavari. Sorry if I'm butchering that, Mehdi. And they say Bagdanovich or Bogdanovich is Midwest with another story of conservative men creeping into crooked life of a hustler. It could not be it could not be more American than this. And they say this, Caleb. They say Badgonovich instead of Bogdanovich. Little plan words there. Nice. Bogdanovich stories are a story of America like his life itself, which was com- which was combination of ambition, early success, and failure. I, 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 cool I get that. Yeah, no, yeah, I like that. That's a good negative review, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we have another one from Paige. They give it two stars, and they say. The chemistry of the two main characters was sweet and enjoyable, and I understand why people love that aspect of the movie. Interesting little watch, but the movie didn't provoke any emotions in me, and I had no connection to it. Paige, that is a fair review. Yeah, I get that. Like I said, I think the first time I watched it, I wasn't... Mm -hmm. It took me a while, I think, to really appreciate it. 
So I, I yeah. kind of relate to that too. Yeah, I agree. Oh, also our good friend Angelo saw this yes. movie. He gave it five okay. stars and he saw it awesome. at the new Beverly Cinema. Ah, uh, let's break out the conspiracy board mm-hmm. that is Where have we heard that Kino's name Theater featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bingo. Bingo. So connecting the dots always. Well, how about that? Thanks again, Angela, for more great content, even when you're not mm-hmm. on the episode. Well, Caleb, I think that does it on this side <laughs> of the on this side of the review. Um what would we call it? The review, review roundup, sir. Review roundup. I'm going to get my cattle back in the review ranch and I'm going to um I'm going to go play some video games. Okay, goodbye everybody. That was Ian's review roundup. Dun, dun, dun. All right, should we should we wrap her up? Yeah, you have any last thoughts? No, again, thank you for introducing me to this movie. Again, I it was on my mind. It was something I wanted to see, but who knows when I would have gotten around to it. So yeah, really, really... I'm glad you liked it. Really great pick. Really great I pick. I had fun talking, uh, talking about it with you, and I'm excited to hear your pick for next week. You oh are back on the clock. Do you have those movies that you watch once they hold a dear dear place in your heart but then you just never revisit them i don't know about you i have a hard time revisiting movies i've already seen like i need i need time and space away from a movie so i can fully digest it yeah totally. so this will be the first time i'm watching it again probably i want to say almost like 10 years or something i was like 2012 i think the last time i watched this movie but I was having a conversation with somebody and th- this movie came up or actually like oh, yeah. the his- the historical. So what I'm picking, what I'm picking, 1974, <laughs> directed by problematic figure, but Uh-oh. oh yeah, a great director, Roman Polanski. I am picking Chinatown. Oh, Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Huston film noir classic one one of my favorite movies that i have not seen in 10 years but i'm just that movie it's time everything about it is great i love this movie caleb i want to talk about it with you next week i'd and love to something that our past guest andy zambrano said was when we recommend movies we should bring up how you can watch it so yeah right idea. now you can watch this movie on a streaming service called Canopy. That's Canopy with a K. And the cool thing about Canopy is that you can use it through your local library. So you get a library card, you can sign up for the service, you get five free rentals a week, and they have a lot of great, great classic films, this being one of them. So you can watch Chinatown on Canopy, that's like with a K. And yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited to watch this movie again. This is exciting. I've never seen it. So, oh, Caleb, I'm I'm very excited to uh, hear what you say. Some this will be let's watch list it, and then I'll actually watch one on my watch list, guaranteed. Why not? Yeah, I've never seen it. Excited, I love love Rosemary's Baby. Also fun. We keep doing it, but once upon a time in Hollywood, Roman exactly was featured. So love that we're connecting dots all the time. Give me that Charlie Day face all day or bored all day. <laughs> Actually, um, we need to have a Photoshop of you do of just Photoshop your face and we're like, please, 
I think I'm wondering if it's because I, uh, you and I both live in Washington. I've been up here for about 10 years now. And from time to time, I do miss Los Angeles. I miss just the history. And this is another great LA movie, fantastic LA movie. So again, I can't wait to watch it with you. Yeah. Love it. Well, this has been log it. The seventh episode wrapping up. Wow. Ian. Wow. Thank you for doing this with me again. Always and forever, Caleb. I can't wait for the next one already. Truly. I can't wait to talk Chinatown and uh, yeah. Hope you have a great week. I'll be talking to you. Yeah. I'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Sounds good. All right. Well, log out. Hey, go Go watch watch a movie. movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right.